Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. And uh, today we're reviewing a movie that we actually saw like maybe a month and a half ago, two months ago maybe? Yeah, but I think one thing we realized is that it hasn't been getting a lot of attention and it's deserving of it. No, yeah, it's totally deserving of attention. And also, let's be real here, we, in doing this podcast... I know we say we want to review movies we really like to talk about, but sometimes we lean more towards the mainstream fare. It's just how it is, you know. We're not getting yeah. paid for this, so it's not like yeah. it's not like we can be like, oh, we have time to talk about everything. But this this is a film that I think it was either get... this or Wakanda Forever. I legit think that was the discussion we had. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. We're like, okay, we only have time to record one right now. Which should we do? And we're like, we we're like, okay, more people are gonna are seeing Wakanda forever, which of course that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, the movie we're talking, we're talking about a movie that called, uh, the inspection written and directed by elegance Bratton, who apparently is like a, a media artist. He does like photography, like, uh, kind of, kind of that same rail realm of art artistry that, uh, Steve McQueen is in, you know, doing a lot of stuff with photography, with video, <coughs> like a lot, a lot of stuff you would see in like, modern art galleries he also does a lot of like um so similar in how spike jones does a bunch of different mediums yeah, yeah similar yeah. in that way yeah so to speak yeah and listen uh i i i don't have I, listen i'm not in, i'm not in the no no of the industry but uh see you and i talked about that this is probably going to get some notice come award season um you actually particularly think that it's going to get some love for its screenplay. I do. Um, and I particularly think that Bokeem Woodbine is going to be a dark horse for, for getting nominated for Best Supporting Actor. So for those who don't know, what do you mean when you say dark horse? Uh, dark horse is basically like the unorthodox choice. Like, like they're deserving, but because of external forces, you don't think they would get in. But... Mm -hmm. I think that things are playing out where you'd be like, oh, yeah, it will get in. Um, so I think Bokeem Woodbine is a dark horse candidate for getting nominated. So this is also like the first time I've seen Raul Castillo do. Uh, he's also has a supporting role in this. Uh, this is like the first outright dramatic role I've seen him done. He's been like he's been cast as like the Hispanic dude in a bunch of like action movies. He was in. um he was in uh, Army of the Dead. He he gets cast as a as, as like a soldier. Mm -hmm. uh, he does like he's or like the funny best friend. That's kind of like the roles he's in. Yeah. Um, although the one thing I've had I have heard is that, and I don't know why. Uh, Gabrielle Union's also in this. She of the entire supporting cast, she has probably the smallest role in and terms she's of the screen biggest time. Name. In terms of screen time, but she is the biggest name. But I've been hearing people unironically saying like, oh, yeah, she's she's a shoe in to get nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And I'm just like, really? She's like she's good. She let, let's be clear. She's she's very good, but she's not she's not in a lot of it. It's, it's yeah, she's, she's not in a lot of it, but it's still that thing where they're like they're like, oh, no, she'll she'll totally, totally totally be in the running i, I don't know anyway. well one thing we I actually real quick one thing yeah. we have mentioned in the past and i want to emphasize again since guess what folks this is january 24th when they announced the nominations is it yeah like, i think so so i think one thing al and i have really agreed on is that truly and I, we mean this this has been a 2022 has been a very interesting year for movies or was a very interesting year 
but everyone in the know seems to agree that the bet lead and supporting actress categories are going to be really like it's like one of those years where all of them could win if they win in any it, other it's a year. stacked they're stacked categories this year yeah so it's kind of like it's everyone's agreeing that whoever gets nominated either has already won in the past or will win in the future that seems to be the consensus. Yeah, that that is definitely the consensus. Um, so, but anyway, what is the movie properly about? So, the inspection tells the story of a homeless young gay black man who, you know, there's there's this literally he has nothing else going for his life, and he decides, you know, in order to have a better future, in order to be something, he wants to join the Marines. Uh, so, th- you, so you know. He joins, he decides to go to boot camp and in boot camp, he's basically, basically constantly antagonized by the staff sergeant played by Bokeem Woodbind, who has, he pretty much, he's pretty much convinced this guy is gay and believes that gay should not serve in the military. And he's basically makes life a living hell for him. Uh, then there's another, uh, there's another, uh, uh, what are they called? Um, Drill instructor, of uh, yeah, drill instructor. There's another drill instructor who kind of, kind of has a soft spot for for the character's name. By the way, is Ellis, uh, mm-hmm. has a soft spot for Ellis and tries to help him out in order to become a marine. Uh, mm-hmm. Gabrielle Union plays Ellis's mom, who basically hates him because he's gay. She's very homophobic and and basically she she he's basically dead to her. Um, and then we have another cast of like up and comers who play like the rest of the recruits who mm-hmm. are in the boot camp. Um, the lead is played. The lead of Ellis is played by this actor named Jeremy Pope, who I believe uh, got his start in this TV show called Pose. I, I believe that's where he got his start in. Um, if I'm looking at it correctly, I think he also. Was he in the Halo sh- movie or show? Was he you're, in something? You're thinking of Bokeem Woodbine, who plays the drill instructor. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Bokeem yeah. Woodbine was in that. Yeah, Jeremy Pope. Yeah, he he's a he's an up and comer. He's new. Oh, he played Jackie Wilson in One Night in Miami. Yeah, yeah, he played that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, this this is based off the life of writer director Ellingus Bratton, who. We've talked about he he's kind of this multimedia artist, but he is also a veteran of the U.S. Marines. He's a U.S. Marine veteran. And this is pretty much it based off of events of his life. I don't know if it's if it's like word for word an exact replication of his past. Uh, if so, then then I got to say he, he had a hard life. But this is inspired by his life, which, you know, before we get into the review proper, I don't know. See, I think our our mini discussion should be about this. Is like when when a writer director decides to basically drama dramatize their life. Do you think that it usually turns out well, or do you think the product is usually worse or usually not as good as it could have been? Well, what are your thoughts on that? I didn't. I, did, I really didn't vocalize it well, but you. I, I know what you, you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's important, and I, I would, to make the category a little wider, let's just call it, there's also, there's basing it on their own lives, which is a pretty, it's pretty rare when you get a director that goes all out in that way. But then you get also a lot of these passion projects where they are the writer, director, producer, and sometimes lead. Now, obviously, the director is not the lead in this, but I know what you're saying, where 
they so it's not just a passion project it is a passion project about themselves yeah and I will say, oh, and right just just bef- just to, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, but also this is his feature film debut. This is, is Elegance really? Brand's yeah, this is Elegance Brand's feature film debut as a okay. writer director. Wow. He's done he's done short films. He's done he's done documentaries, and obviously he's done a ton of like TV ardent, too. He did some TV. Yeah, he did some TV. He does a bunch of ardent video art installation video. Gal- you know what I mean? Like yeah, the, those artsy the, videos in the art galleries. I know exactly the ones where it's just like. I'm not saying this is what he made, but it's like you see this this person just sitting on a pile of bread in a video for two hours, and it's it's a, it's accompanying some other pieces, and you're supposed to I don't know watch. Yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, my point being, I think when when you make something that is about yourself, and when you pretty directly make it about yourself, because I think a lot of writers and directors, they take aspects of their real life, but then heavily adapt it. Like I think The Fablemans, Spielberg's The Fablemans, is a pretty good example of I was, that. I was, I'm going to mention Roma by Alfonso Cuaron, yeah. although he explicitly made sure that he was not the main character. Yes. But it was it was the woman who basically raised him, his, his, uh, his housekeeper. Yeah. Who who he made the protagonist, not himself. But and I think he did that because he actually realized it was too. While I'm sure it was it was a love letter to that person in his life, very clearly. I think actually, and please understand, this isn't me dissing Roma, but it it was probably easier for him to put it to put that very true story in someone else's perspective. Yeah, it probably made it possible for him to do it. So I think whenever a director does this. And to the very de- varying degrees of how directly it is, how directly he does this, he or she, um, it's ballsy to do it because it can go so bad. I think it really because you gotta you you have to really be a little bit egotistical to think you know what yeah, yeah. my life <laughs> that that's a move like that's people would pay to see that. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's so I think, but what's interesting is, and to bring up Roma again, you have Roma and you have the inspection. And I'm not, I'm not going to compare the two. They're so different, not worth doing at all. But what I realize is both writers took a similar approach in one way. I guarantee you, even though I have no proof of the proof of this, writing the script was more like therapy for them. Like it was just them expressing what they experienced in their life and putting it forth in something. And that's always a good place to start. You know who explicitly said that writing their life story was therapy for them? Who? Shia LaBeouf. He uh, he wrote Honey Boy. He didn't direct it. He ended up realizing that if he directed it, it it would go. He, listen, we all know Shia LaBeouf is a little crazy, but hey, (laughs) that takes some, some level of humility to admit to yourself. Like, you know what? I really can't direct this because I'm going to ruin it. Because he, he also was he was very explicit that he was going to play his dad. That yeah. he got this um, this Israeli director, uh, I forget her name, Hari something. He, yeah. he basically said, hey, I really love your work. I think what I wrote speaks to speaks speaks similarly that that uh, cinematic language that you use in your work. And and hey, I, I think of that year you and I both said that Honey Boy was totally deserving of some award nominations. And it got nothing. Yeah. And, oh, one other thing I'd like to mention. Both Spielberg and Cuaron, they didn't make their quote unquote life story until very, very into their careers. Yes. They, they've been in the industry making films for decades and 
again, this is Elegance Bratton's feature film debut. That's very true. But I think he still came from that place of treating it like therapy because, mm-hmm. man, if, let, let, if we work under the assumption that what is portrayed in this is very real, he needed therapy because, my yeah. God, the shit he went through that's there's no way around that that's very hard to deal with not just the events of the movie but everything before that like there's actually well i'll get into it but later but there's an one of my favorite scenes in the movie is actually the discussion he has with another homeless person oh yeah you know the scene i'm talking about yeah yeah that scene is actually i don't know if it's my favorite scene but it's one of my favorite scenes because it's just this I hate to use the word intimate, but what it is, it's just this. How about, how about this? How about we watch the yeah, trailer sorry, and then we sorry, get into yeah. our review? Let's do it. Let's All do right, it. All right, cool. Oh, did you wait? Did you want to say anything about what you think on directors and writers doing I, this? I mean, I mean, you pretty much covered it. I, I really do believe that it's, oh, you're taking a big swing. And if, if you miss, you just come off as like an egotistical prick who, who basically thinks like, oh, oh. My life should be a movie. And it, 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 like off the top of my head, I'm trying to think, well, I can I, think of one that probably I haven't, we haven't seen it, but probably is going to come off that way. Uh, are you thinking about Bardo? I am. I'm sorry. It looks beautiful. Let me <laughs> no, be clear. Let, 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 no, let me be clear. Make no mistake. Alfonso Cuaron is listen, both him and uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Naritu, who directed Bardo. They're, they're our good, good friends. But let it not be said that Alejandro González Iñárritu kind of has his head up his ass, and Alfonso Cuarón really doesn't. He, well, no, Cuarón is, and I say this, having the discussion I've already had about Guillermo del Toro, Cuarón, his head is the least up his ass. Yeah, of all of yeah, them. exactly, exact. No, that's so true. But yeah, I, I like all the bad reviews about Bardo that I've heard is that it basically falls into that trap, and listen. I mean, I'm hearing people say that about Fablemans. Um, yeah. When when Roma was announced, people were a little like, oh, a black and white movie about Alfonso Cuarón's childhood? Is that going to be any good? And then we saw it and everyone shut up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that could just that could just turn. So, you know who else did it? And it turned out very well. Who? Uh, Noah Baumbach with The Squid and the Whale. Yes, and it was also not his. Was that his feature film debut? That was his feature film. There, there was a funny story that he that Wes Anderson made a bet with Noah Baumbach that if he didn't make, if he didn't write and direct a something, because he was just a writer at that point, that he would lose like thou. He, he wouldn't like he would pay him thousands of dollars to do it. And when the Squid and the Whale released, uh, they they fulfilled that bargain. Wow. But and I've seen The Squid and the Whale and it's it's one of those things where I'm like it's intimate. This is written by someone who experienced this. But yeah. I don't know if it's cuz of the way of his aesthetic or the way he approached the cuz it's more of an of, of an ensemble piece. You also uh, have to remember one and I think you understand this. Noah Baumbach's look for movies hadn't been established cuz it was his first movie. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think what helped was that the basically the character analog of his father was really kind of the protagonist, not necessarily him. Yeah. And then See, he did again, it. Though, he, he deferred. He deferred. Yeah, he deferred. But then in his in his second most recent movie, he he in a way did become the main character because uh, Marriage Story is about his divorce with um, 
Oh, what's that actress's name? Uh, oh, the, one the that girl. Was, yes. The one, the one that was in The Hateful Eight. And in Annihilation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great actress, but I she forgot. She is her. really good. Yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, again, it, it just, that just shows you that it's really hard to name the films where where it's autobiographical. And it comes, works. And it works versus that it doesn't. But so how about we watch the trailer and then we give our thoughts. Let's do it. Because it's the thing that protects the Marine to my left and to my right, sir. I could have left you at any doorstep. I am never giving up on us. Really good trailer. Sorry. I just said really good trailer. Yeah, but also it's not only good. It had been around. It had been out for a while before the movie came out. Uh, yeah, like a couple months. I don't know. It felt like a while. But anyways, um, no, so, yeah, that is a good trailer. So, see your thoughts on the film. Now let's get into your thoughts on the film. Okay, so I was very intrigued when this movie was first coming out, um, because I had a fear of what it was going to be. Okay, I was really worried that it was just going to be this incredibly sappy, far too in your face piece uh, that was really just shoving its message down your throat. And that's not how you make a good movie most of the time. There's exceptions, but we don't care about those right now. Um, And I was really worried that's what it was going to be. I still had... But I was intrigued because, as you, as we've now both said, it's a very good trailer. Um, so I, I gave it a shot, 
And I wasn't disappointed because what it really ended up being was this really good character piece about what he, it was kind of like, this was the, what's the word I'm looking for? This was the, this is what he had to go through. This is what he had to go through in order to get out from under what he had done to himself so far. But at the same time, this movie, you know, if made in the 80s or 90s, would have taken a very different direction that would have been really bad, I think. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think, I think what you're trying to say is that, well, or maybe not. Maybe I'm putting words what, in your mouth. I, no, no, well, I'll, I'll respond. But what do you think? Uh, genuinely, I'm asking. I think, I think this film is like, you know how like memoirs, like you realize, oh, this is the writer reflecting on kind of the person they were at that time. This is kind of how I see what Elegance Bratton did with uh, the inspection. It's a reflection of, of kind of his thoughts on the person he was when he went through boot camp. You know, when when he was a homeless guy who decided to go through boot camp because he wanted he wanted to be something, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is kind of his this is kind of him re- reflecting on that. Um, you know, so I, I see it as him going like. Man, I have some things I want to say about. I have some observations I want to make about the person I was during this moment in my life. Because you know, it's a totally different guy. Yeah. I mean, the, the, like, like you. I mean, the the this homeless gay black kid who decides to go to the Marines, kind of sort of on a whim, is a totally different person from the accomplished, celebrated artist that Elegance Bratton is right now, or that he's becoming. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. So now I need to bring my up. Thought. I, I need to bring up something that I mentioned before the trailer, which was, so the the opening, so there are certain moments of this film that really, really blew me away, but it's not the moments that would say, that like you'd think they'd be. Yes, there were the big, you know, triumphant moments he had, the big struggle moments he had, and those were very well done. But what elegance, what this director has proven to be very good at, at least in this case, is he is really good at subtlety, but not just like putting subtlety on the screen. He's really good at making subtlety the (laughs) focus of the film, and you don't realize it until you're thinking back about it. It's very weird to put it like that, but in the opening scene, he's basically sleeping in this in a subway station, in like a, a closet, not a closet, but like a, a, an offshoot room of a subway station, which was, which is very common. You find that a lot um, in, in any major subway system. Um, but this scene, it's just this almost, it is almost weirdly fantastical for a moment where he lets, his, he lets these people in he they all get together and then he's having a conversation with this older homeless man and what's incredible about it is it's almost this is going to sound so fucking weird but it's almost it it really reminded me of like 
Harry Potter talking to Gandalf in a weird, 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 weird way. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. It's like this young person talking to this old, wise sage. Like, this older homeless man, he was in a wheelchair, but it almost, looking back, it was almost like a throne in a weird way. Yeah. Like, they wasn't, there was nothing about it that made it seem like they were intentionally making it seem strange, but there was something very important about who this man was, but also sad. It was like he held, he was like the, it was almost like he was at the gate to the king of sadness. I know that's a weird thing to say, but like mm. he was just talking with this man and that, I realized what it was. Is I think the director made that a sort of father figure in the, for a moment, mm-hmm. just for a moment, because that was maybe all he had. Um, and that was the only way he could reference him. And I, it's it's just one scene but it builds in such a great way because then you have his relationship with his mom, which here's another example of subtlety. And you see it in the trailer. The mom's a hoarder. And I didn't pick up on it until rewatching the trailer just now. But she has stacks and stacks of really weird shit crammed up. She has stacks of like this, you know, to-go food. It's very odd. There's clearly she, in a very subtle way, without saying it ever, she is not completely of sound mind. And that's a very good way of hinting at it. Mm-hmm. So, and there's little other moments of subtlety, especially at the boot camp that are really well done. I think the boot camp, what's really great about that whole, which is the rest of the movie, that really captures, because to be clear, this isn't a period piece, but it doesn't take place in present day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that boot camp sequence, you really see through the other recruits and why they're joining and even the way they're dressed, you immediately know what year it is without ever. Full- <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. You immediately know, or not year, but like what, you know, what, what time period you're in, yeah, you know, yeah. exactly what you, it is. You know, when in the, in the early two thousands you're in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so subtly done. I think it was very subtle. Yeah, no, that I really enjoyed it. I I agree with you. I think I think the film has many subtle moments that kind of take you aback because I I wouldn't be surprised if Elliot Bratton pitched this as like, oh, this is this is this is the because uh, you know there's a subgenre of military movie that's the boot camp movie. Yes, and I bet most of them aren't very good. Some are. Some are. I mean, uh, Full Metal well, Jacket is half well, of a okay. boot camp movie, and it's considered that, one of the best ones. What I was gonna say is the best one isn't even fully a boot camp movie. It's, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he pitched this. Oh, uh, this is the the boot camp movie, but from a gay point of view. Um, but it's it's so much more than that. It it really is a story about a guy trying to find his place in the world. And, you know, kind of making some impulsive decisions about it because they're there. So the way the movie plays out, it does some things that you kind of expect because you're like, OK, this is the early 2000s height of the Bush administration. OK, they're there. Th- and this guy's a gay man, a gay black man. OK, there's some things you're like, well, that's going to happen. That's going to that's good. Already. I know that's going to be in the movie. And then there's I'm not going to say what it is, but then there's one turn. That does not happen at all, or or it totally like, and I hate to use this phrase, but totally subverted the expectation I had. Right? There's this buildup towards this. There's this buildup towards this scene where I'm like, okay, this is what's gonna happen now, and it just 
slap you get sh- literally thrown cold water in your face and you're like oh oh shit and the scene instead is used for character growth and i i was like wow that's the movie was building up something pretty yeah. explicitly i was oh more than explicitly it was very direct and then the moment happens and no basically and, and, and that the thing was i was like wow i mean i i i wouldn't have been like oh i can't believe they didn't do that I was more like, oh, I love how they kind of use this subversion as character growth as, in order to inform the character better. I loved it. It was, it, it, it the moment was used to reinforce that that uh, Ellis is not the character of Ellis is not as mature as he likes to believe he is. Mm-hmm. That he's still at heart, he's still a kid who who kind of who kind of has, you know, kind of does kid things like you know daydreams and thinks oh well this is totally what's happening i I totally expect this and turns out it was totally the opposite now something else i have to say uh elegance bratton knows how to write a villain um well that here's the thing yes he does but my god that performance right okay bo king woodbine again i say he's the dark horse to get a nomination for best supporting actor yeah he like listen it's so easy to do the the drill instructor from hell because of uh what's his name r r lee um you know the the drill instructor from full metal jacket everyone just sees that and is like okay we want you to do a version of that i mean for god's sakes the man made a career out of just doing that over and over and over again 100 percent uh, the only exception was when he played House's dad in uh, House MD. But anyway, that's oh, that's over there. right. Uh, Bo- he Kim was also w- in Willard too. Yeah, in Willard. Bokeem Woodbine basically is. What I love about it is that Bokeem Woodbine. Bokeem Woodbine is like okay, he's a drill instructor, but what is he beyond that? And I mean, it's you. It may sound very simplistic. That he is a war veteran. A war veteran who who does not think highly of gay people or Muslims, right? And you're like, oh, that's such a shallow character. But it's like, he's not like, Whoa, I, I hate them. I despise them. He treats it as fact, which is really weird to watch. Yeah, it's more like he's like, I mean, he has like how, and I know this is such a weird phrase to say, he's like how most homophobes in the early 2000s were. Oh, being gay is disgusting. And that has no place that has no place in something as noble as the military. Right. So it's so matter of fact, right. It's so matter of fact. And it's so like, not like he does one truly horrendous thing in the film, uh, that even he admits had, he went too far, but overall his animus is one where it's very matter of fact, like, Oh, I'm doing this because the thing you do is, is wrong. Not like, oh, I hate you so much. I despise you. Which, like, is weirdly refreshing because it's that's so much more true to life than yeah. than creating this twirling villain bigot who hates everybody for dumb reasons. Like, I I think adding that level layer of like realism to the character and just listen, Bokeem Woodbine has been in the industry for a long time. Right. He's one of those character actors where you see him in something and you're like, oh, this is this is going to be a good part. He's the best part of Halo. He was the best part in that god awful remake of of Total Recall. I also want to point out, remember when you 
Because he's in a film called Queen and oh, Slim. Oh, yes. You... I, was, I was about to mention that. <laughs> so what were you going to say? You say it. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, God. So uh, Queen and Slim was a movie that came out, I believe, in 2019. 2019, yeah. And he plays an uncle of the female lead, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And he plays a pimp from New Orleans. <laughs> he, plays a, he plays a pimp from New Orleans. And I remember telling a coworker of mine, I said... Uh, the movie was good, but I really, really wish they had done something else with that character because it turned a movie that was pretty grounded in drama into like everything he did just seemed like a cartoon and a farce. And my coworker looked at my coworker has family in New Orleans, looks at me and goes like, no, that's how the pimps in New Orleans exactly act. And I was like, bullshit. And he showed me like a YouTube video and I was like, holy shit, Joaquin Woodbine knows how to do his research. <laughs> I just picture him like on YouTube going through going like, wait, this is how they really act. And it's like, yeah, yeah. that's how they really act. No, well, I remember having the same issues. Like, this is so like, this is pretty, I'm, I was actually disappointed in the director at the time. I was like, really? You're going to go with that. And then when you told me that, I'm like, fuck off. And I looked it up. I was like, oh my God, it, that is, that is actually completely accurate. <laughs> to the so what did you think about booking Woodbine's performance as the drill instructor laws? So, what I liked is that we, I actually like that he had to engage with other, other instructors, like on a more regular basis. Yeah, I did too. That was a very important thing because otherwise he's just this asshole running the shit and that, that can get tiring. But the fact that you see him on his off hours was very good and you rare, like whenever a drill instructor, so there's a really bad boot camp movie called Annapolis. It's awful. But, like, <laughs> With uh, no. James Franco? Is it James Franco? James Franco and um, uh, who, who is it? Who is it that? doesn't matter who it was. It's, an, it's a fucking awful movie. It's really I, bad. What's his name? That rapper um, uh, who's on NCIS. Yes. Oh, uh, Ice-T. No, not no. Ice-T. Uh, oh, NCIS. Oh, yeah. that's right. So that, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? I don't, I don't remember, but I saw this movie years ago as a teenager and didn't think anything of it. And then I rewatched some clips of it. So that, that movie has a moment where that drill instructor instructor, you know, has his off hours, but all he does is like talk about how like actually the lead character is one of his favorite recruits and that's why he's being so hard on him. And that's it. And yes, you have a moment like that, obviously in this movie where he's a drill instructor goes to him and thinks he's being too tough on the lead, but instead it uses a very sick messed up justification for it, which is a much better way of handling that scene. But what I also liked about the drill instructor was so, it was in many ways the instructor from Full Metal Jacket. Obviously, for there, there will forever be a comparison. Like I think Full Metal Jacket, they've even said that things there were adjustment made, adjustments were made, minor but still adjustments were made in drill like by drill instructors and certain things because of that movie. Like they actually changed a few things. Like they realized things were too far, but. What I like about this is he made it his own specifically in the way he would mess with the lead because it was not obvious at first. Like, it's just, 
you realize that for about half the time when he's referring to the entire squad of uh, recruits, when you realize about half the time he's actually just talking to the lead and you can tell and he can tell, that's the beauty of that subtle performance. That's mm-hmm. where the that's the difference. That he no longer he's not out to break the all the recruits. He is out to break one person. And the way he does it in certain moments of the performance is he'll talk and he'll look at all the recruits and he won't look at the lead, but he'll kind of look to the side a little bit. And that subtlety, I know I'm, po- I'm being hyper-specific, but that makes a huge difference. And that's where I agree with you that he might be the dark horse for a nomination. You know, something else I, I really, really appreciate about his character is that, listen, it, it, like, it could have been very, very simple to make uh Bokeem Woodbine just evil 24/7 and uh Raul Castillo who plays uh who plays the drill instructor Rosales make him like the the one good guy of the of the drill instructor team. What I really appreciate is that late late very late in the film you realize that uh Laws actually has a very noble heart. He 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 loves and respects the institution that is the US Marine Corps over any any bias and bigotry he would have like mm-hmm. literally the moment you become a marine you are his brother in arms and he'll he'll die with you i think that bit of character that that bit of character revelation just makes the whole thing that much more like there's a moment where he shows like his noble side that it's it's quite beautiful it's quite well done and so unexpected like you expect are you talking like, about towards the end towards the end yeah oh, like yeah. you you totally expect oh i expect the nice drill instructor rosales to to be the one saying these things in this scene but no it's laws it's Bokeem woodbine's character and he says it with such sincerity and such like respect that i was like you know just that little bit of change like maybe in the maybe in the script it really was rosales who says it but just being like, well, what if we have laws do this instead? It just makes for for developing and 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 presenting such a richer character because you're like, yes, he's a bigot. Yes, yes, he he did some unspeakable things to our protagonist, but he has it, his code. He has his code, and goddammit, it, he will honor his code. Now the the other uh, drill instructor, Raúl Castillo, as Rosales, you know. Again, what differentiates this movie from other boot camp movies is that you actually have someone in the military who's like, no, I, I give a fuck about these guys. I want them. I don't. I, I want them to, to survive this. I want them to become better men. Or not even survive. I want them to succeed. Yes, I want them to succeed. You know, and again, this uh, uh, Rel Castillo, he hasn't been in the industry long. Uh, he really only started getting like. You know, he. I'm looking at his credits. It seems like, it seems like he's he was kind of like, he was kind of like. Well, he started off as a kid actor in bit parts, mm-hmm. and then starting around 2014, he uh, 2014 he started booking guest roles in TV shows, and really, it's only about 27, no, 2018. He uh he plays a li- a small role in Unsane. Do you remember him in Unsane? Who was he in Unsane? Uh he was just as Jacob. Um, okay. I guess he was one of the patients. Okay, wow. 
but he really doesn't start getting like supporting roles until uh yeah until wrath of man which came out last year that's like what of, did that okay. wrath of man army of the dead he starts getting like supporting roles and it's all you know in that realm of action or comedy not nothing dramatic oh, in 2016 he got nominated for an emmy uh for the fargo tv show uh bokeem woodbine yes Yes, uh, I, I was actually talking about the other drill instructor. Oh, Ra- sorry, my bad. Raul Castillo, yeah. That's right, sorry, yeah. But... Okay, so yeah. he he doesn't start appearing until Wrath of Man and Army of the Dead, which is when I noticed him. And up until then, he's been doing just these action or comedic roles. This is his first dramatic role, and I got to say he knocked it out of the park. Um, you know, he, he has, his character has this difficult thing where we're, you know, yeah. There's a bit of there's a bit of there's a bit of a magic trick with his character, where you you think his motivation is this, but then we get the true motivation at the very end. It's a bit of a twist. I'm, I don't want to say oh, what it is. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I have to point out. Speak of of Raul Castillo, he is the dad in a film called We the Animals, which oh my god, came out in 2018. I highly recommend that. That is a very good movie. That's all I'll say. Oh, now, now, now I'm very interested in watching it. It is, it is beautifully shot. Oh my God. I was just looking this up. Oh my God. I didn't realize he plays the dad. And is that a dramatic role? It's a dramatic role. Wow. Okay. So this is a second dramatic role. Or at least this is the second dramatic role he has. That's, that's a wide, uh, a wide release. Yes. Uh, But yeah. Yeah. This didn't have much of a wide release, but yeah, go on. So, so he has to, he's this magic where he kind of has to, he kind of has to make you think his motivations are one thing, but it turns out to be something totally different. And he does it so well. And he has one scene. He has one scene uh, where, where it's, it's really just to, it, 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 it's the scene that makes you realize, oh, he's on Ellis's side. Mm-hmm. Right. And what I loved about it was that, like on the first viewing, if you watch the first, I've seen the movie twice already. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the first viewing, um, you 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 uh, you think you and Ellis probably you as the audience member and Ellis probably think, oh, he's being supportive because of this. But then on the second viewing, when I saw it, I was like, oh no, he's he's totally doing it because of this because this is what he believes. And it's very enriching because you're like, oh, the the film knows the film knows how to how to kind of play the Kansas City Shuffle, and I and I really appreciated <laughs> that. I, I really did. Yeah. I think I think it just makes for such a because here's the thing. See, you know this. We've seen a ton of movies, a ton of movies in the genre, a ton of movies about the LGBT experience. We've seen yeah. a lot of movies, right? Yeah. And sooner or later, you start noticing trends and tropes and trends in the storytelling. You're like. Okay, then something like this is going to happen and something like this. But when you get like these little twists and turns that just kind of make you go like, oh, I, I really wasn't expecting that. It just makes for, for me at least, makes for a much more rich Oh, rich any experience. genre of film, when you have a, and this sounds, this is such a blanket statement. When you have a genre and you have a movie in that genre that doesn't do what you expect it to do in the, in the genre. God, I've said genre seven times already. Of course, that's a wonderful thing. And, and. I think it's so funny because when you think about it, LGBTQ cinema 
it's not the newest genre, and you can go certainly go back and point out earlier films that are considered LGBTQ, net looking back, but it is one of the newer genres out there. Like, yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there becomes, and like these movies, they all have like their, oh, now this is going to happen because this movie would always have something like this. And I love how like it switched it up. Obviously, didn't didn't totally change the formula. But it switched it up, which I think was probably helped because this is based on his life. And, you know, life isn't a, a perfectly constructed story, even though we wish it was. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any any thoughts on Raul Castillo and his performance as Rosales? Um, when I liked that he you've really summed it up very well. Um, I liked how supportive he was. And of course, he had a major scene of support as well, but I I did the the unexpected turn that he takes, which I really don't want to say. Um, <clears throat> really made him more than just the supportive friend or whatever you can say. Like the moment the unexpected thing happens, that's when I was like, oh, he has a code too, and like I'm not that I didn't think he had a code, but we see it in act. We see that code happen. Mm-hmm. That's the difference, and I'm yeah. glad they gave him that. Like I'm glad that he, they made him. They made they made him. You know what? They made him complicated at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's no. like, oh, thank God. You know, and uh, <clears throat> now I think uh, now we have a uh, Gabrielle Union who plays the mom Inez or Mama, yes. like he, like uh, Jeremy Pope calls him. Which, but oh, by the way, just just something I wanted to add. Jeremy Pope, he's relatively new on the scene. Like this, I don't know if he's going to become a big, big star, but you see the talent and you're, and you like, you're like this kid, this guy, he's, he's going to be a name that casting directors are going to have on a list going like, Oh, this guy, this guy's very good. Oh, I have no doubt that he, his, his headshot is, with a very famous casting director trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. Also, he has such a piercing stare. He does. <laughs> he does. Like, I would love to see him. You know, actually, what I think he'd be really good in based on his performance? What? I'd love to see him do something in hor- in the horror genre. Ooh, I think he'd be yeah. Very, I think he has the talent for that. I think oh, he'd yeah. be very good. I hope he's not pushed to TV. Not that TV there's anything wrong with TV. But let's give him a shot in the world of film. Like he really, yeah. he could do yeah. something. Exactly. No, it, the, the thing I love about films that bring in up and comers is that it really does show you there is so there, much talent. There's so much talent out there. Right. And you see, you see a guy, uh, this guy, Jeremy Pope, you see him doing something like this that is very intimate with, with the director. It's his life story. And just knocking out of the park. I'm like, you you want to see these people succeed and get noticed and get known, you know? Yeah, because it gives a better chance for everybody and, and else. And listen, I got to say, that piercing stare. The, it's literally the poster. Yeah. That, that Even the director knew it was so good. It's like, oh, exactly, that's the poster. Exactly. But now, let's talk about Gabrielle Union. So, Legendary, like, obviously. She's, she's a, she's, you know, she's been in the industry for a long time. She's yeah. She's been in a lot of movies. Uh, this is a very like in based on like screen time. This is a very small role. She's like, would you say she's in this for like maybe ten minutes? Ten? I was gonna, I was gonna be g- generous and say 
just under 20 uh, 15 15 because yeah 15 the scene works. the scene the her main scene is that's 10 minutes yeah ish and yeah. then if you take all the rest that she's in that's at least another five maybe a yeah. little maybe a little more yeah yeah i like listen she, she does well with what she's given um i'm certain she took on this role because you know gabrielle union Listen, Gabrielle Union, I'm sure, has a lot of talent, but, I mean, let's not mince words. She she was mostly in comedies and, like, yeah, basically comedies mm -hmm. uh, for the most part. Still is. Yeah. Uh, she really, she really, like, the only time she wasn't in a comedy was... In the Tyler Perry dramas that she would do every once in a while. And in certain ways, those are comedies, but we're not going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure she took this role on because she's like, oh, I want to show off my dramatic chops. And listen, she has those dramatic chops. I'm not going to deny it. But like, listen, I how, how many minutes was Anthony Hopkins on screen that he still won the, the best actor for Science of the Lambs? Oh God! It, it didn't matter because he's all that they remember of that movie. Exactly. And, and listen, Gabrielle Union is not all that I remember about this movie. And in no. fact, she, she's 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 top five, top ten, but not the she, not the first thing I remember. She's the backstory. Yeah, she's the backstory. So when people are telling me like, "Oh yeah, she's totally going to get a nomination for best supporting actress," I'm like, "For what?" I mean, I'm not saying her role was a cameo, but it's like, but there have to be. I'm, and then again, I'm not saying she's going to get nominated, but to be fair, she there have been smaller performances that have been nominated. That that's true. That's true. I just think, I just think the 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 role of her character, the the narrative purpose of her character. She wasn't the driving force. She wasn't the. I mean, she's she's the reason why the main character is doing all this because he wants mm -hmm. her love back, but. She's she's so uninvolved with the main story that I'm like, you know, I'm like, it's good. It's a it's a good performance. Gabrielle Union did a good job. But she, like, do you remember when people were saying that? Um, uh, uh, um, I she was in the Frankenstein play and she's, oh, she's in yes. Skyfall. Um, yeah. What's her name? Um, oh my, my God! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Um, she plays Money Penny, right? Yeah, she plays Money Penny. She she was the mom in uh, in in uh, in in uh, Moonlight. Hold right? on, I'll find it. It's uh, well, she got an Oscar nomination for that. Did she? I uh, oh, you mean uh, Naomi, Naomi Harris? Harris? Naomi yes. Harris. She. I'm, I'm double did, checking. Did she get a nomination? Yep, nominated for an Oscar. Yep. Oh, oh, well, okay. I was about. To, I was gonna compare this role to the role that Naomi Harris played in, in Moonlight. Can I just, for the record, I think Naomi Harris's performance is better in Moonlight oh, than yeah. this. Oh yeah, yeah. But but the thing was, I'm like, I'm like, there. These mother characters are not in it for so much that you're like, you kind of forget about them. But. I forgot Naomi Harris was in 28 Days Later. Sorry, I, I'm going down a rabbit hole. I'll stop. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, right, but yeah, listen, in. she's good. Is she Oscar nominated good? I, not because it's a bad performance, because I just don't think there's much there. But that's just my opinion. also. There's so much. There's so much out in 2022 for yeah. the performances that yeah, yeah. should be nominated. Yeah, I'm sorry. To um, say. So right before we give our final rating, the only thing I want to mention is. The rest of the cast that plays the other recruits, 
They yes. are, I know this gets said a lot. They are a diverse bunch. Mm-hmm. You have your, you have your legacy recruit. Who's like, my daddy was in the military. I'm in the military. I, I deserve to be squad leader. You have, uh, <laughs> say it. You have, um, a wannabe gangbanger. Emphasis on the wannabe who is the first to cry. <laughs> yes. Which I love that choice. I love that he's the first to cry. Yeah. And he's literally like, mom, pick me up. <laughs> on the you, phone. you have, um, you, you have the, uh, which, which is interesting. You have a, as a Muslim recruit who also yes. gets the ire of booking Woodbine's character. And you get this very, this very noble recruit who like knows that knows that there's like, bad things being done to his fellow recruits and wants to do something about it. Like you, again, you get in, you get an eclectic bunch of recruits and, and I gotta say like a big chunk of these movies are that these characters, you at least enjoy being with them or you enjoy seeing them fall, fail or succeed in this grueling, grueling six weeks that they have to go through. And I gotta say as a, as a boot camp movie, this group of recruits, they, they kept my attention, and and I thought I th- there wasn't a weak link for me at least. No, there wasn't. Um, they they were all very good. I think what worked there as well is the fact that over time they, like they became friends in a realistic, not cheesy way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, best, no, and, and kind way. of the ultimate resolution of that, on paper, would come off as so cheesy, but when you see it played out, it play, it plays out in a way where you're like, yeah, these guys would do that. I mean, they're Marines. Of course they're going to do that. Yeah. But it was still in its own way, very beautiful. Cause you're like, yeah. this isn't sappy. This is beautiful. Cause they're, they're, they're doing this thing that on paper looks cringy, but is actually quite noble and heroic. Yes. Um, so see what, what's your final thoughts and your rating. I give this, this is considering because I, I think I want to be I want to be generous here. Considering that this is a directorial debut and that it was a very ballsy move to do what he did, as we've discussed, and that it works and that you you have already garnered some not major Oscar buzz, but at least discussion of what could be brought forth from everyone involved later on. Um. I think that really needs to be commended, uh, and I, I got to give it a flush for that. I can't give it a fox just because I, I think at the end of the day, I, I really enjoyed it, but, you know, it just, I wasn't 100% like blown away by the reality of the story, so to speak. I loved it, but in the sense that, like, if you had told me this, like, was based on a true story, it's like, well, of course it is. Like, yeah, that makes sense, actually, that this really happened. Like, that, I think the movie a little bit was trying to, like, be like, can you believe this happened? It's like, this happened still, probably. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's better now, I have no doubt. But it's like, of course this happened. I actually believe what happened to the Muslim recruit happened all the time. So, <laughs> like, yes, I buy that. That's not surprising. So because of that, it was like, okay, let me see where they take this. Very believable true story. And it was still quite remarkable i will say there is one scene that i understand why they did it and i actually think was true but the way they portrayed it i was 
not so sure was the best way. And all I'll say is it is a shower scene. And I, the end result, yes, I actually think you needed to have that in the movie. But there's a part before that where I was like, is this, do you want to be this forward with it? Like there's an, there's another way to do this and you're not doing it, but okay. But so for that reason, and for that minor criticism, this is a shocking, this is a debut flush. Yeah. I'm right there with you. This is also a debut flush for me. I listen, the, the, the story is not breaking new ground. It's not, it's, it's, it's a well-told story. And I think ultimately that's what matters. Uh, there were very little creative decisions that I actively disagreed with. I, in fact, I was kind of vibing with the whole thing. Um, there is an element in the movie that people would be, are going to be like, well, we weren't expecting that in this movie. And it's like, I can see his point. You know, he's a young kid who he's a young kid who's around guys and he's gay and you know, no, I didn't have a problem with the scene itself. It's oh, no, just, I, I, I'm, I'm talking about like, oh. I'm talking about scenes that I feel like people would be like, oh, oh I wasn't expecting that. Oh, I'm like, I, I totally get why these scenes are in there because I'm like, well, yeah, this, this is probably, you know, he's a guy. I, of course yeah, he probably had happens. thoughts. Of course he had thoughts like that. And I love that he was so forward with it. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like anyone else would be like, what? No, of course I, I never did that. No. And, and it's not just with that. Like there's there's literally a scene where where <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. There's literally and it's not spoiling it. There's a, literally a scene where because uh, again this is the early two thousands and uh, people didn't have uh, smartphones back then. That's so, right. So so the only thing they could do to whack off was to basically get contraband porn in in it. And, and the movie shows us immediately the immediate results of that. And I I thought that was a, yeah, that was, that that, was a... it's funny but you're also like, well, of course they did that. That makes total sense. Yeah, of course that happens. Yeah. And uh, you it, yeah. You know, again, uh Bokeem Woodbine this is one of his strongest roles. Uh, you know, and I I I owe this is my bias, but I love it when a when a celebrated character actor like is given something meatier and they just knock it apart. I mean, we saw this with in a much, much bigger scale with uh, J.K. Simmons in uh, Whiplash. Oh, my God. And, and listen, I'm, I'm yes. not I'm not saying this is J.K. Simmons in Whiplash. I'm just saying we haven't we have a celebrated character actor who's well liked, well loved by everybody in the industry and just is given a meaty role not only knocks it out of the park, but adds a layer of complexity to it that I think was really well-deserved. Um, again, does, this story doesn't break new ground. You've, you've, you've seen this story told a million times. This just has enough stuff to kind of separate from the pack that makes it worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Gabrielle Union is good in her role. I just don't think she was in there as so much to warrant like Oscar nomination discussions. I am impressed with Raul Castillo. Uh, I've only ever seen him in comedic roles and seeing him do drama and do it well. I'm excited to see what he does in the future. And Jeremy Pope, listen, I I think he has everything that it takes to be a star. And I I really hope he becomes a star because I don't want that piercing gaze to go to waste to just like just doing (laughs) supporting roles in television. I really don't. Um, Elegance Braden. He's better than NCIS. Yes. Elegance Braden, this is a very, very confident feature film debut. I, I am interested to see what else he does. I think he can only get better if he really works works on just doing what you and I pointed out were strengths in this film. Um, the, only, the only other thing I'll add, 
and then we'll close out. Yeah. The, the only other thing I'll add is that A24 gets a rap for being the studio or the distributor that shows the weird movies. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, the moment they're like, oh, it's going to be the weird artsy movies and they just don't want to watch. I don't know, see, if you'll agree with me on this. I think, listen, there are some that are weird and that you just really can't connect on a level. I mean, I admit that that's my problem with David Lynch is that he does stuff that's so weird that I just can't connect with it. Mm-hmm. But listen, yes, you might say, oh, it's it's a niche subject or it's a subject that's just meant to be os- quote unquote Oscar bait. But Listen, A24, when they release something that's good, is because you connect to it on a human level. Yes, it has these trimmings that you're like, oh, it's artsy or, oh, it's woke or, oh, it's this or, oh, it's that. Like, I'm not into that. I just want to see Top Gun Maverick or the Marvel movies. But when they do something, at least when they do something good for me, it's because they were able to tell a story that I connected with on a human level and I was interested in the characters. Like, that's why... Like every time I see a Safdie Brothers movie, no matter how artsy they get, I'm always just like wrapped up in the story they're telling me about those god awful people that they love to make movies yeah. about. So, so yeah, like again, yes, it's a twenty four, but you know what? It that shouldn't deter you from watching this because you'll be like, oh, it's it's too artsy. Also, for the record, I think it's a great thing that a twenty four, which now has really become, you know, once you get memed, you're set. But like, <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. But it's so and yes, as you said, they're the they either do really woke or really artsy stuff. But I'm glad that they exist because they're really and I'm not calling them a major, major studio, but they're pretty big at this point. Like they've gotten enough award credit uh, to really push things in, a, in an impressive direction. Um, I'm glad they exist because they're the only of their size they're the only company that's willing to give new directors a chance. Like, they honestly are. There aren't many else that will do that. Yeah. And- Except for Bloomhouse with Hard. But even yeah. then, they're they're not quite... They don't go... They don't do film debuts. They don't do debuts. Yeah. I, I think A20, A24, what needs to be said about them is that, like, more often than not, they care as much as, as the audience does about wanting to connect with the movie, mm-hmm. you know, Yes, they always want to. They they're always looking for unorthodox movies or artsy movies or or movies that check a certain box, but or also, sometimes horror artsy woke movies. Which yes, they've done that. Yeah, they do that. But trust me, more often than not, you're able to find a way to connect with the movie. If if you find a way to connect with the movie at a human level, you leave satisfied, even if it's not about superheroes or or giant monsters or or big military battles. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so th- that's the only one thing I wanted to add. Uh, yeah, so yeah. if uh, I this is on streaming now, so give it a watch on streaming. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, it really, folks, give it a chance because it uh, it's it's a it's a very impressive character piece that's getting some talk among certain performances, but should be. I, I'm surprised it was it hasn't been, gotten bigger than it currently is. And, and if anything else, you can be like, oh yeah, uh, that uh. That actor, Jeremy Pope, I saw him in like the, his first like leading role and he knocked it out of the park. Like like yeah. like it, it it really does like stroke the ego when you're ahead of the curve of like Sometimes the rest being of... better than everyone else is nice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, this has been What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. 
I, I don't know how to end the podcast. Good Bye. night, everybody. Bye. <laughs>